Um, all right, the recording is in progress right now. Hello, hello, hello. This is another episode of the Mental Threads Podcast, episode 76. I am here with Don Julio from New York, if you like to say something. What's up, what's up? Stay Zen, stay Zen. This is Don Julio from Bronx, New York, uptown. Checking in, showing love. How you doing? No, nah, man, I appreciate you for hopping on. It's been crazy and everything, trying to get things together and get the whole Zoom together and everything. I had to create a whole nother Zoom and everything, meeting. It's just, it's all a bunch of stupid shit. But it's like, bro, when I tell you, it's like listening to uh, your music videos from Playing Chess, uh, Lemon Pepper Freestyle, the New York Giants. My favorite one was Play of the Season and everything. Not for the features, it's just like, I like how the beat goes now, the flow, y'all was flowing all together and everything. But yeah, man, like, well, what are some things that inspire you to drop such fire, man, uh, like in your own words? Honestly, it's it, it stems from, I'm from New York. So like, um, obviously everybody knows like the Bronx started hip hop. So I come from the borough that, you know, started rap. So Growing up, that was like a cultural thing. Like everybody rapped and if you was outside, like if you couldn't rap if you wasn't like really nice at rap, you know? So I grew up around like a bunch of older dudes rapping that, you know, took it a lot serious than I guess this generation would do. So I grew up knowing that like, yo, if I can't rap, then they, they not gonna let me rap. So I had to work on my pen and work on, you know, actually being a lyricist. And then from there, I had to learn how to make music. So. Is everything is just a step by step progression process for me and my team, and we just trying to continue growing. Yeah, man, no, keep growing for real, man. You're gonna be touching whole, you'll be touching skyscrapers pretty soon, man, for sure. Because it's just I know like how the game is kind of watered down to a certain degree, but I feel like in the 2020s, the beauty about where we're at in this era right now is like you know a lot of the greats like you know Kendrick and J Cole and Drake. You know, I don't feel like their time is, like, coming to an end, but I feel like a lot of them are trying to, like, settle in now, just starting their own families and stuff of that nature. You know, all three of them now have kids now, which is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just, like, you know, it's just, like, their ear, I don't want to say it's, like, it's closing in a sense, like, you know, like, oh, they're, they're just getting more washed up or anything. But I feel like, you know, they're starting to, like, their focuses are trying to, like, like point to somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? And I, I definitely like, agree. Yeah. I feel like what, what you're saying is there's like a changing of a guard happening because, yeah, yeah, they're still in the game, but they're part of what I would consider like the older generation now. Mm. So, you know, there's always going to be uh, new artists that are looking to take those slots. And I agree with you in a sense that I think that in the next 10 years in hip hop, um, there will be a lot more artists trying to make, you know, conscious or, you know, more lyrical music and mm. It, it, it all fluctuates. So there, there has to be another time where like the 90s happen again. Everything goes in cycles. So I'm just, like I said, like you, like you mentioned earlier before we went live, that my music has that element to it, but it also sounds very modern. So mm. I'm prepared for whenever that shift happens, but I can also make music with the, the kids that are making music today and that kind of style as, as well. Yeah, no, for real. No, seriously. And those are the rappers that get the furthest, you know. Everybody wants to try and sound the same and everything. And all they're doing is just scoring themselves for fast money, man. And it won't, it won't, there's not a whole lot of longevity that comes with that. Like, you see what happened with the little pumps and everything and stuff of that nature. You know, it's like they're always on some weird shit, like, the next moment to try and stay relevant. And it's like, you know, and you don't got to do none of that and everything to really stay relevant. Just get better and get better and then, you know, put the best music out. Like, 21 Savage might be, like, my favorite one out of that 2016 um, freshman because, like, he just 
freshman class because he just he just kept getting like better and better and better and better to the point where you like he'll pretty much save a song now. You know, like he's I'm, like I'm not gonna lie, I agree with you completely. I think yeah. I think Twenty One Savage actually slept on and they put him in a in a box like he's some kind of gangster mumble rapper. But if you hear him on songs with actual people with talent like J Cole or Drake, he actually holds his own very well, and I feel like he can actually make really great music and concise songs that are not just people perceive him to be like gangster stupid songs, but it actually very intellectual to me. And it ain't a matter of like being like the most intellectual because everybody just goes in their own like lane, but being like the best of like you can do. And I feel like 21 Savage improved so much to the point where now I feel like he kind of carries people on their own songs to a certain degree. You know, it's like- No, I agree. Yeah, I think the only degree. time that he, he, even on a song, like, like the artists that I mentioned with like Drake and J. Cole, those, like we said earlier, those are like, J. Cole, Drake, and Kendrick are like the pioneers of like the three guys who held it in the last 10 years. So if you could get on a track with them and people don't think that they destroyed you or like you held your own, that's impressive, you know? Yeah, no, really. No, for real. I feel like 21 Savage and Lil Baby are kind of in the, in the same boat to that regard, where it's like their features, like not just made with like other seasoned artists just makes the song a whole lot better. Like out of like Drake's new album and everything, I haven't listened to like all of it, but the main song I was focused for was the 21 Savage song, which was the last song that last album and everything. So it's just like, I had that song on repeat the whole time. So it's hard for me to even shit on that album because I haven't listened to the whole album. I've been stuck on just that one song and everything, you know, and 21 Savage just like, his style is now, it's just like, it just kind of, it kind of just makes him with everybody else's style pretty well now. Like, that's, that's a level of being, like, a great, like, you know, artist where it's just, like, your style, although it's your style, it can, like, mesh well with like, all types of style, like Lil Baby does also. So it's just, like, you know, it's just, you know, I'd be looking forward to them 21 Savage features myself now and everything. But uh, in regards to, like, you know, stepping away from that, uh, we want to focus more on you and everything, you the artist. Um, you know, like how I mentioned before this, I, I you kind of remind me a whole lot about Big Pun and hold elements of like Big L and everything. Have they influenced like your style or just your love for music by any uh, sense or to any degree? Yeah, it's crazy that you choose um, those two in particular because those are actually two of my, the people who influenced me the most when it comes from, at least for the New York culture is definitely, I'll have to put Jay-Z number one, but definitely Big Pun and Big L because I'm from Uptown. So if you know anything about like um, regions in New York, Big Pun actually comes from the South Bronx, which is where I'm from. Mm. And then uh, Big L is from Harlem and my family's from Harlem. My family's actually from the west side of Harlem, which is where Big L is from. So like his mural that's really popular and everybody goes when they come to New York. I used to see that all the time visiting my family. And, you know, I'm Dominican and Puerto Rican. So there's not a lot of really dope Dominican and Puerto Rican rappers that made it to such a high level as like a big pun, you know? So he's like the the guy that every, I, I guess, Latino rapper like emulates because he got to the highest point in that lane, you know? Yeah, I don't even see him as like a Latino rapper. He's just a damn good rapper that happens to be Latino. You know, I feel like his skills speak for himself. Um, you know, although the culture really does, you know, it always scares with you. Uh, regardless and everything, you're always going to be uh, symbiotically connected with your culture and everything. I feel like Big Pun is like just a damn good lyricist overall. And like the songs like super lyrical and everything and beware and everything and just all that on the Capital Punishment. Like I swear, like, Capital Punishment is like one of those 
projects where you have to study that project if you really want to induce like what it means to be truly truly lyrical and stuff yeah. of that nature so it's, it's just the like pockets you know, yeah. that the pockets that they choose to rap in like um by that i mean like the flows and like when they choose to speed it up like big l used to do that all the time he would just say like regular cadence like kind of like he's talking then he'll speed it up so like those kind of pockets and stuff very uh influenced me as far as like you know rhyme scheme and like open up my my mind to like okay maybe i could rap like this or like that instead of just like you know the basic regular standard form of rapping which is just like you know line punchline line punchline type thing so i i, I leaned on those type of guys and jay-z to like help me broaden my my vocabulary and my flow patterns yeah man vocabulary is really really deep but it's also good to like be very very clever on the mic too and like big l was like a figurehead of being just super clever man i swear big l <laughs> every time i think about the shit like big l says and everything it makes you want to just keep going back like dang i need to hear that one more time but like, how did he come up with that like, it's just, like, I remember, it's like, my favorite Big L line is just, like, I know this is, like, a, a one of my favorite Big L lines, like, from his freestyles is, like, ask Beavis, I get nothing but head. And it's just, like, whoa. Yeah. That's the 95 freestyle. <laughs> With Jay-Z, right? Yeah, facts. He said, there's another line in that freestyle that I think is, people sleep on it. He said, I'm so ahead of my time, my parents haven't met yet. Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> Dudes, the dudes, bro. I, I really wish I hate like a lot of our favorite rappers are dead, bro, before their time, bro. Yeah, you really want to you know, see I, where they go. I hate that a lot of these new rappers are dying too. You know, being a rapper, I was just talking about this with somebody the other day. Being a rapper is dangerous, like especially in today's day and age. Like, if you choose to be a rapper, you also got to be aware of what that comes with. Yeah, man, because the jealousy shit is real. You don't even have to be a gangster in a gang to get murdered. I mean, mm -hmm. I know XS Tentacion got shot in the face just because he had a, a bag full of money and everything. And I just feel like that's still kind of kind of fishy to a certain degree because it's just like, you know, every rapper has money. And, you know, it's just like, but it's like, you know, you can't just shoot somebody in the face. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, like people do yeah. fraud. People do other types of scams and everything. But it's just like, I don't know. That just doesn't seem... Like, the kind of, like, you know, I just feel like there was jealousy behind it as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, it's like, definitely an internet era thing, too, because in the 90s, for example, like, the reason why so many rappers weren't dying and we had a bunch of rappers become old rappers that they are now is because you didn't know where they were or what they were doing 24-7, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of these new-age rappers, they super into social media. So, like, if you was a crazy dude who, you know, is really popped right now, in New York, that means, like, you broke. So if you was like broken, like you really like thirsty for something to that level, it's easier nowadays to like be like, okay, this rapper's in my town. He's over here, over here. I could do whatever, whatever. Like before people wasn't so out there with all this information, you couldn't just follow somebody that easy. Yeah, man. And that's what got Pop Smoke like killed, man. Just one slip up of where his address was and somebody knew exactly where he was. And they found him and they he was killed by like, what, what a 17 year old? Or was it like a 16 year old? Yeah, it was, it's, it's, I'm not going to lie, and that's the thing, too. Like, people be thinking, like, rappers is dying by these savages, uh, gangsters outside in their 30s. It'd be little kids. It'd be, like, 16, 17-year-old kids who got none to lose, and they think this is their whole life, you know? Yeah, man, it's shitty, man. I don't know what's up with the youth, man. <clears throat> because I recall, like, uh, back in the day, not back in a couple years ago, 
but my one cousin, my much younger cousin killed my other cousin and everything. I remember it was like a situation where um, my, my elder, my older cousin was like literally trying to chaperone a party for his younger brother. And uh, he just he just told uh, my younger cousin that just came up to him and everything like, hey, I want to bring all my friends and what's up with it. And he's like, nah, I can't I'm let you in because I only know you personally. And he just didn't take it well and he just killed him trying to get, get his own cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to get a name for himself, man. And I tell you, like this kid, I knew him from like elementary school and everything. You know, like, I'm Liberian. So it's like, you know, our 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 like tribe and like culture, we're pretty close type to a certain degree where it's like, you know, you ain't got to be blood related to be like cousins, cousins. Once you see each other like for a while and everything, y'all parents are probably friends or you pretty much grew up together. You know, you're, you're basically cousins. You know what yeah, I mean? It's like a family friend, but that's still that's still sick as hell. It's man. still fucked up, man. It's like he's in jail to this day. Imagine trying to impress like your friends trying to kill a family member. And it's like they come, you try to run back to them and they shoot you right in the gut. Like That's literally what happened, bro. Yeah, it's a crazy time now. It's I don't know what's up with these days, man. I, I would say, is it a gun violence thing? Because we've been had guns for years, man. But it's just like something about nowadays. Something's just not right in the water. Yeah, it's, it's just the world, man. We in a different time now. I'd be saying the same thing. Like, it's not, I don't think it's one specific thing. I just feel like, I just feel like the floodgates opened up on everything. Because I feel like the the government and the way the America structured is just like, there's really no, no really any rules. Like you can really do anything. And then it's up to them if they catch you or not. A lot of these kids be thinking they can get away with anything. They'll take it to court or whatever the case is. So people really think they can do whatever they want and just pay a lawyer and then they won't go to jail. Yeah, man. It's like that's not necessarily the case every time, bro. Like when I tell you, my younger cousin really thought he was going to get out scot-free over that. And he didn't. Like it was just sad because I feel like he could have just went back home to Liberia to kind of get his mind right then maybe you could be more focused, you know, because people without purpose, bro, always fuck shit up for everybody. Like, exactly. When you have no purpose at all, that's why it's like I do the podcast, I do the music thing and everything. I went to college and I got my degree and stuff of that nature, but it's all because I have a purpose. I was driven by purpose, like the like a, like a vision where I could see all my younger cousins, my little baby cousins, like I was looking out for today and everything to give them a better life. So like when they go to high school and middle school, they don't have to wear all the all the bullshit and everything, you know, I, I had to go to school, clown over shit, like, I was like, you know, they, this ain't, this tacky type shit, you know, this is, like, cheap shit and everything, but I still kept my head up and whatever the world, but it's like, I don't want to, I want to envision, like, a world where there can be, like, you know, where everything, they can be taken care of, my older family members can be taken care of, I can buy my mom a house, you know, th these visions play out very vividly, and I feel like all I have to do is just step out to make it happen. You know, so it's just like, you know, it, there's enough money out here for everybody, bro. You do not have yeah, to shoot man. somebody in the face for it. You're like, definitely right, though. It's because a lot of them don't have direction or, like, a uh, a future ahead of them as far as, like, what do you want to do? What do you see yourself as? Like like you said, you got your podcast and you went to school. So you started to have, like, a direction where you want to go to achieve your goals, you know? I do the music, so... Even though I grew up in New York, where at times it could be very treacherous, the music has always comforted me and always gave me a sense of this is what I should be doing instead of doing something dumb, you know? Yeah, man, it gives you purpose. It's healing and everything. You know, we all, a lot of people in the rap game come from some kind of tragedy or something where it's just like music, in a sense, gave us hope or gave us purpose or and, and direction to a certain degree. And so it's just like, you know, it's really sad that a lot of people end up like not maybe not taking it serious like maybe they want it for cloud and it does really really good they just can't seem to like 
accept that or it's just like you know they just get pissy over it like niggas be getting more jealous than bitches doing all day and it's weird it's it's very very weird it's a very very weird time i feel like dudes are getting way too more effeminate it's like forget all like the pride little nas i don't care about that i mean like day-to-day like people like we like i agree but you want to know why though men because of feminism it was really that women made us more feminine because Back when, you know how women be like, why can't men be like the way um, they used to be and they want us to be more masculine? It's because back then, women allowed men to be men. Now that there's so much feminism and everything got to be equal, men are becoming more submissive to the women's role. So mm-hmm. you're seeing less dominant male figures because women are in more control of things, which is fine. I respect them for getting, you know, where they wanted to be with this sort of like equality. But there's always a cause and effect to that. Yeah, no, actually, that's probably like the most like diverse, I, you know, like way of putting it I've heard in a minute. Because I always knew that feminism had its toxicity in regards to our society. But put it when you put it like that, I can actually see it now. Because there'd be dudes that be trying to be like male feminists and everything, and trying to like yeah. try it, to get it, some it, pussy it off more, that. More emotion, because now we're trying to conform to this new world where. And if we're being real about where the world is right now and, and where ideology, as far as like what everybody believes, it's really for what women's rights and, you know, the LBGT, whatever community. So like straight men who are mainly men are not really, the world's not for them right now. So that's mm-hmm. why you're seeing a bunch of submissive, like feminine type dudes because they're fitting into what society's agenda is right now. Yeah, it's like, it's like, I don't know. It seems like a lot of that is just like, you know, it, it's like this image of like what a man should really be. Everything always seems kind of unrealistic. Like you can't like have like a feminine features and be like masculine at the same time. Yeah. No, but That's at the same time, there's still masculine and feminine, feminine energies and, and, and everybody, but it's at different balances, you know, to work, you know, you, you can still be a man and still be like compassionate and still yeah. be like, you know, it's about you know, the right balance. It's finding the right balance. Sometimes it's about finding the people who bring that right balance out of you because sometimes if you're a dominant man, maybe you shouldn't try to be with a woman who is more dominant than you. She might make you submissive, you know? So you also got to find a good balance and people that actually match what you're trying to be and who you're trying to be. Because if you conform yourself to others, it'll change you. Oh, yeah. No, I believe that to a certain degree, too. But it's just like, you know, you want to deal with like a dominant woman. I feel like that's up to the man to bring that feminine... Well, that more feminine nature out of her, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, at the same time, how our society was kind of set up and everything, especially with black women on the plantation, like they had to fend for themselves, you know, like, you know, this society has like emasculated, especially black men to such a degree where it's like, it's almost frail, you know, like, like a white dude can leave a fight or whatever. And like, no part of his masculinity or manhood is even like under attack. You know what I mean? Like nobody. Yeah, I do know what you mean. And it, it's, like a, with, it's a pressurized thing yeah. too, because, as as minorities, I'm gonna I'm throw myself. I'm Dominican and Puerto Rican, so I'm gonna throw yeah. myself into what you're saying. As a minority, when you're in that in those type of situations, it's almost the pressure of you to be like, you gotta handle this, or you gotta come out on top of this situation. Like a lot of other, like for example, a white man doesn't have that pressure. If he gets into a fight, and let's just be real, if he gets into a fight with a black man or a Spanish man, nine times out of ten, a Latino man, the crowd of people watching are gonna assume that white dude's gonna get his ass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. That's why I'm, it's a lot of pre- it's on it's pressure on us to always come out as the dominant winner, the 
the person who puts the his apex, on it all basically. the time. Like the yeah, apex we, we got to be the apex, the superior all the time. And that's a lot of pressure to always be, you have to be the top dog all the time. Like, why? Yeah, to the point where it's just like, where it's kind of unrealistic to a certain degree, you know? Like the whole, like, you remember when uh, Logan Paul, whatever, got in a fight with a, a boxing match with that basketball player? And dude thought he was just going to kick his ass and everything. That was just going to be it. But, like, this dude is, like, a whole athlete and everything, like, that's been fighting his whole life. And, like, you're a basketball player that just went into fighting. And dude really thought because he was black he was going to kick his ass. Yeah, and that's literally – that's the only reason why they clown him, because he's white. So, like, for example, if if he was literally any other race, like, if he was a Latino or a black man and he just decided to box and he was like, y'all want to fight people – just off of him wanting to, like, Kembo Slice, for example. Look how yeah. serious everybody took him, and then he became a UFC fighter. Like, there's, it's a certain, like, um, how do I say it? Like, they put, like, a certain, like, stigma on it based on who you are and what you look like. Even me, for example, I'm, a, I'm, I'm Dominican and Puerto Rican, but my skin tone is more fair skin. So sometimes mm-hmm. when, when people don't hear me talk or when they see me in certain, like, ciphers or rap things that I go to, they wouldn't assume that I'm about to spaz the way that I do. And then afterwards, they'd be like, damn, you, you like, caught me off guard. You know what I'm saying? Because their expectation was for me to, like, do some soft, like, shit that they wouldn't like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that whole stigma about, like, light-skinned dudes being, like, softer and dark-skinned dudes being more aggressive and everything. And I met like, plenty of light-skinned dudes who, like, who really would kick somebody's ass, like, for real shit. And everything. Like, I met yeah. some dark-skinned dudes that are just that are soft though and were bitch made to a certain degree too. I met some I met some dark skinned dudes that are not even soft, but they don't they don't even like to fight. They're like passages. They're like woke on some like y'all don't even do shit like that. Yeah, and it's just like it's just these weird stigmas. Like, like this is kind of what's laid in our society, man. But it's just like that's just kind of how it is. <clears throat> to a certain degree <clears throat> and like in a hip-hop sphere like everything is more hyper masculine hyper aggressive hyper sexualized and everything whereas like every other genre is just it's just a reflection of art you know what i'm saying like country music rock music or whatever i feel like those genres it's just like it's just them whereas like for for hip-hop it's just constant bragging and everything there's there's more like versatility nowadays and everything but at the same token, like, this is still, like, the same genre where people still... You know you know what I noticed yeah. now that you brought that up as far as other genres of music? This is something that I noticed that I'm yeah. glad that I'm on a podcast so I could publicly say and then people have their opinions on this. Yeah. But you know how rappers, um, they use a rapper's content, like, their, their lyrics and their songs against them? I've never seen that happen in another genre. No, really? No, because, like, yeah, really? No, dead ass. They could probably use something, like, from Marilyn Manson or something. I think they actually kind of do to a certain degree. Yeah, but, like, they've never, they've never, like, even the rock and roll dudes or the, or the, or the, the, the punk rock guys who make really dark music, maybe even referencing, like, suicide or murder a lot of times, um, that's viewed as, like, creative license. Like, they're just being creative. But anytime we talk about what we, what we go through on a day-to-day basis, whether we've seen it, experienced it, as long as we express it in our music, is taken as a literal thing. Like anything we say, we whatever we said, they're gonna say, you said this, so this is what you meant, regardless of what we really meant to say. Yeah, man, no, it's really shitty, man, no, for real. And it's just like, like especially with the whole, what's, what's your stance on this whole Young Thug situation? I think that, I think that Young, well, first of all, free YSL. Um, free Young Thug, free Gunner, free all of them. I think that Gunner, I, well, I think Young Thug in particular is a great example of what happens to somebody who 
grew up in poverty and has a dream to make something big. And then on top of that, not only is he selfishly trying to do it for himself, but he puts on literally anybody who knows that has potential to be great themselves so they can help their family and their communities. I think that Young Thug is what hip hop is supposed to be. Just like Nipsey Hussle and a lot of people, yeah, his music may be different in a different scheme of things as far as he's not super lyrical or whatever the case is. But as a man and as an entrepreneur, he's handling his business and I, I have nothing but respect for that. No, no, deadass, because YSL, they try to make it out like it's a gang, but he really hired a lot of people and changed a lot of people's lives, for real. You wonder why it's a gang to them? Because they're all black. Exactly. Exactly. Couldn't even put it in in the best way. That's that's literally what it is, man. But it's like they don't even try to, like, make it, like, you know, subtle nowadays. You know what I'm saying? And that's what kind of, like, takes me out about it. Like, it's just, like, you know, they they could do all of that for that. But it's, like, from all the, like, skinhead groups and everything that make music, too, and everything and probably do their things and everything, they don't even, like, aim at people. You wonder why that bothers me so much that it's automatically labeled a gang? Because not only does he have his own business and record label with the exact mantra, YSL, Young Stoner Lifestyle, so it literally is a company. But... Like, it's, it's a business. So not only does he have that, he has the merch. He has other avenues where he's using that name and he's branding it in different elements that for you to think that's gang-related is, is you're being Asinine. racist at that point. Asinine and racist as hell, you know, because it's just, it says young stoner life. Like, that doesn't even sound like a gang. Like, yeah, and, <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's literally a record label. Like, but this is what I mean. Like, regardless of what you think it is or, or think it is, that's, that's an opinion. Uh, thinking something is not knowing something. Exactly. On paper, I can, I can go on Google or there can be documents that says that YSL is a, it's, it's a record label. That's on paper. So that makes it real. It makes it a fact. Yeah, man, dude, like, no, seriously, shout out to Young Thug, man, I hope that he gets out, like, I wasn't too, too deep in his music and everything, but when I go deeper in just, like, in regards to just how he carried himself as a businessman, and so on and so forth, like, I know maybe the whole dress thing was kind of, like, a bit, eh, but it's, like, you know, for you, him to, like, change so many people's lives, as long as you're being positive, like, that's, that's the kind of stuff I really shoot for also in my lane, so it's, like, for someone else to kind of do that in their lane, too, it's just, like, you know, like, that's kind of, like, that's, like, a blueprint for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I feel like, that's, yeah. that's how I feel too. Cause I got I got my own team. I'm actually sitting right next to my producer Lou Stilo, and he where where at my crib he's making beats. He makes like most of my beats. Um, if anybody hears this and need beats, you can hit him up at, at Lou Stilo on the gram and get some beats for good rates. But like I try to put my team in position to win, and if I win, I want them to win too. So maybe they can branch out, have their own team, and so on. You just pay it forward, you know. So. I respect anybody who's doing that. I really looked up to Nipsey before he passed because he was another person doing that. And it's not for like, it's not for clout. It's not for this or for that. It's, it's just because they really like that as a person. Yeah, man. It's just like, you know, like, you know, like Nipsey had knowledge of self too. Like he was uh, Eritrean, right? Eritrean or was he Ethiopian? Yeah. Something like that. He was East African and stuff of that nature. No, no, so. he's he's he he is he is he is. He's Eritrean. I think that he he's he's like a yeah he's from I don't know exactly what he is, but I know that he's African. I think it was like Egyptian or something like that. But yeah, he's he comes from like his his ancestry. I believe comes from like they're very like royal. It's, it's a royal family. And yeah, like the, like a little Hale Selassie type line and shit. 
Yeah, like, so that's, and that's why people always look at it and conspiracy theorists and really go deep into it because Nipsey, Nipsey's story, the way that it aligned with like his ancestry and like who he became as a man, it seems like more than just like an argument. It almost seems like an assassination, you know? So that's why, that's why I would say as a rapper, you got to be careful because yeah, these rappers are getting killed and it just seeming like random murders. But if, if a bunch of people go somewhere with the intent to rob you and if you don't give them their stuff, they're going to kill you. That's an assassination. It wasn't like you guys got into an altercation and he decided in that moment to do that. That was already predetermined. Yeah, man. But history will, will probably, well, how the media is going to put history is like, oh, yeah, these people just got shot. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's, that's not how these things go. Yeah. You know? And that's why that, that situation is so deep because Nipsey's mans did that. Like, that was somebody that he grew up with that, that ended up killing him. So that's a personal thing. That's a vendetta from from years and years of, of disagreements. Yeah, man, no, seriously, no, no. That happens a little bit too often than people like to think about, man. That's why it's good to isolate yourself. But even if you isolate yourself from the people that used to shit on you or whatever and go your own way and everything, you know, like that jealousy, you know, that that whole like, oh, dang, this person made it and I'm still here type, you know, like they just can't, they can't process it. You know, it's like immaturity is such a big part of why uh, a lot of like, you know, uh, a lot of our, our black culture holds itself back you know what i'm saying it's just like because back in africa a lot of us had our own like way of passage into manhood you know what i'm saying so it's just like you know a lot of people a lot of black men especially when they grow uh serves past a certain age they don't know what it be what it defines to really be a man some people might say okay well the first time they lost their virginity or oh, the first time they got their own house or the first time they bought their own car or you know you know stuff like that it's just there's yeah, no way that, yeah. The answer to that question, yeah. the way they, the, the, what the option that you gave, you could already see somebody's mentality. If somebody thinks that he's a man because he's sleeping with women, but another man thinks he's a man when he bought a house, you could tell that the man who thinks he's a man bought a house got a little more sense, you know? Yeah. So it, it I would just, just ask all values. those people. Yeah, exactly. It's about values. So I would ask all those people that feel like, you know, they're stuck in their situation because we all, I come from the hood, right? Uh -huh. So everybody in the hood feel like they in the hood because of somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but really, they got to look in the mirror because I was in the hood and I'm not in the hood anymore. And I don't plan on going back. But like people get so comfortable in their situations and they start to blame, oh, this didn't happen for me. Or this person screwed me over. So that's why I'm still here. What that got to do with anything? You, you, you there because you want to be. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just some people, that's another thing. Accountability. That's a huge thing a lot of people don't seem to take for themselves. That's a reflection of immaturity when you can't take accountability for your own self and what you're at in life. You know, that that stuff will just, that'll fuck you up because it'll, it'll breed, it'll like, uh, it'll pretty much repaint your reality to a complete illusion or delusion for yourself to think like, oh, like you're so much better, so much grandiose and like everybody's out to get you or all oh, this thing go out for you or that you, you're entitled to this, you know, entitlement. And then when you don't get what you want, it's like, you know, it's like you're a child, you know, when you take like, oh yeah, you can, you put that toy down and everything, you know, kids be kicking and screaming. It's kind of like you to, I mean, that kind of like them to a certain degree and everything when they, when they bring, get to that stage when they can't accept a loss, they can't accept an L like, okay, let me just learn from this. Let me be able to rebrand myself and then move on. Some people just can't do that, bro. Like mentally, like, like they're just you, fucked up like that. Even if you can't accept it, the, the, the key to everything to, cause some people, you're right. Some people can accept it and they move on with life and then they either become a success story or they become a regular person or whatever, but they're able to 
move on with their life. And some people, they let it like really sink them to wherever their bottom is. But the, to counter that, all you have to do on is just work hard. Even if you can't get over something, you can still work hard. Just because you can't get over something, you can't work. I feel like people take, um, they try to make too much of like an excuse for themselves. Like I'm going through this, so now I can't do this. Why can't I be going through something and still do this? Like I, I have to be in the perfect uh, mindset 24 seven to do anything. That doesn't make sense. No, 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 dead ass for real. It's just like, you know, it's just like, that's it just comes back to that lack of masculine like presence within like, you know, like this era, man. It's just like, you know, it's just, it's just, in regard, we're all going to go through adversity in life. Everybody, we're all going through something right now. Whether it's the next person knows it or not, we're all going through something. And it's just like, you know, that's why it's good to like have purpose, man. Because that purpose, that drive, that faith, that things could be different, that's what's going to drive someone to really making things different. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, <clears throat> I look back at all the doubters, the haters, because everybody has them. And everyone and everything, but it's just like at the same time, and I just be like, I just scoff at it now. I just laugh at it and move on because it's like the people I once said I was stupid, and I was like, I can't do this, that, that, that. Now, like I was freaking, I graduated uh, magna cum laude and everything, and then it's just like the people who said, like, oh, I can't rap or whatever. I dropped a mixtape, they ain't dropped shit and everything. And then it's like the the people that say, oh, I'm gonna be a failure. I, I already started working at this company and everything. I'm head marketing executive. And like now I run a podcast and everything, you know, just like, you know, on the side type shit, you know, it's just like, there's just no excuse to not work hard. People will always talk shit. There's always shit that people are going to go through, but you know, you can't have excuses uh, be uh, the reflection of your identity in this life. You know what I mean? You know, like, that's just yeah, yeah. bullshit. You know, God gave you this life to make life for yourself. So when you're not making it, you know, that's on you. That's literally on you, bro. Like there's no exactly. Excuse. Cause it's like, it, it, even if, You still there? Damn, I hope he's still there. You still there, though? What in the Matrix? Yo, dude. Can't hear nothing, Chief. Well, we got three minutes remaining. If you're going through things. Oh, sorry. I think you cut off for the past couple of minutes. You can repeat that if you want. We still got like about three minutes. So it's like, you know. You can hear me? Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. You cut off. Oh, snap. I cut off. You back on? Yeah, I'm back on. All right, cool. We only got about like two minutes left. I'm going to just end this, and I'm going to just make another uh, uh, meeting and everything in about the next, like, four or five minutes. Is that all right? We can just hop on yeah, finish the rest perfect. of the interview. That's perfectly fine with me. That's perfectly fine with me. All right, cool. All right, I got you. I'll see you in a moment. All right. All right. All right. Uh, now it's recording again, part two. Uh, so, yeah, we're speaking about, like, a whole lot in regards to just how uh, people kind of carry themselves in this uh, society and everything. Uh, you, you you pretty much remember where, where you left off on it? Yeah, just, like, I just feel like people need to take accountability for their own actions. Not blaming other people. 
Hey, 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 yo, dude, 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 dude. I think your volume is getting pretty low. What's up with your volume? I'm sorry. Right. Oh, my fault, my fault. I was just, my phone was fine. But I said, um, yeah, like, I feel like people need to take accountability for their own actions because I think we all could be great. It's just on you and not to blame other people. I'm on the verge of, like, achieving a lot of the things I want, and I'm starting to see, like, it come to fruition. And that's all because I was focused on that. And I was in a lot of similar situations that a lot of people I know that think that they can't overcome. But I was in that situation, if not worse, and I did. So that just means that you don't want to overcome it. You, you're using it as a crutch, you know? Yeah, man, excuses are nothing but a crutch, like, to me and everything. Uh, we all do it to a certain degree. Uh, some do, some people don't do it at all and everything. But don't re rely on finding excuses, basically. You, know, you can never get far from doing that, like, at all. Like I did a Rough Riders radio event yesterday and I actually won. So um, I'm getting a distribution deal from from that, uh, you know, Rough Riders event that I did. And I've been working with more, um, I would say, industry people as of late. But that's because I put in the groundwork for them to recognize what we were talking earlier about um, play the season video. Like that video is, you could tell, like, we really outside in the Bronx in that video. Like it's not, it's, those, those are real people. Everybody lives in that area. Like it's not like actors or anything like that. It's just a real deal, you know? That's good, man. That's really good. And like, kudos to you for winning that event, man. You know, they ain't no, they ain't something like just like slide by and everything. You know, tell us more about that experience and how you got on the whole uh, Rough Riders uh, radar and everything and end up like performing for them and uh, winning the whole contest and stuff of that nature. Well, I got a shout out. Um, my guy Buddha the Bulldog and King Neptune because they actually know a family member of mine and they've been actually consulting with Rough Riders Radio and now they work alongside of one of the segments for Rough Riders Radio and my cousin you know he knows how much I've been getting active with my own situation curating my own shows performing all over New York you know all over the boroughs so when this opportunity came about it was like it was going to be in the Bronx just show up do your thing, you know? So I was like, okay, it's in the Bronx. I already, I was living in the Bronx at the time. I'm from there. And fucking, I went, bodied it. They was like, yeah, you're going to the next round. So I was like, okay, cool, lit. And in between the time, it was like the, the whole contest, they go all over the United States. There's probably like 20 states and they went to Puerto Rico. So they're finding talent from all over the place. So in that time from when they met me to when we got to the actual event where all the finalists came, you know, I was doing my own thing, you know, grinding it out, um, you know, not waiting on just this one thing. I could create more things, you know, myself. That was the mentality. So um, by the time I started doing my own showcases, the Rough Riders uh, people actually got wind of what I was doing. And they came to one of my events. Um, they seen it in real time. And it was like, okay, this kid is doing something. Because, you know, I had a great turnout. It was, a, it was actually a really good event. Then when the event came up, the one from last night, I just went and did my thing again. Um, I ended up winning. Uh, you know, just a testament to always working on your craft. I go to shows all the time. I never assume that I'm just gonna be the best performer. I worked on being a good performer, just like I worked on being a good artist. People um, don't really put the work behind the craft out of the time. It's just like, they just wanna wake up and do something because everybody's doing it. But, you got to really understand that there's a lot of work that comes with that. And it's a whole lifestyle that comes with that. And you got to be ready for that. 
It's not just for anybody. No, dead ass real. All you said was facts. No, really, really. And that's, that's good that you, instead of just seeing yourself, oh yeah, I'm just the best rapper ever. You want to work, 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 work until you reach um, and make the accolades you got to make and everything. And that's, that's good, man. Like that whole consistency element, that work ethic element, that's going to carry you a lot farther than like people just, you know, that cloud shit or nothing, you know? And you already got like a team down, like uh, from what I'm understanding, right? So it's just like that's that's even gonna get you even farther for real, and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, got we, everything is in house. So um, my brand is called Stayzen Stayzen Entertainment. I created that. That just basically means take the good with the bad and always try to stay even keel through all your hardships. So that's what we push and we push positivity. It's not no no super gangster street gang shit. It's all about spreading love and being positive and not getting too high or too low and just going with the flow of things. That's what we push for. So um, that's my message with my brand. And then with the music, we just keeping it real, keeping it authentic and keeping it in New York. That's good, man. That's really, really good that you're keeping it like that and stuff of that nature, like for real. Because, you know, like, you know, I know I think you spoke about another song, like how it's like, you know, it's just like, you know, I think you referenced uh, Takashi 69 that I think I think I don't know what song it was. But yeah, like, yeah, I did. Like, yeah, I, did. I, I was like, he he claimed he was like the king of New York, and that was kind of like a joke because he was like a, a snitch and stuff of that nature. Now, keep mm-hmm. in mind, I'm not with that whole thug shit and everything about the whole like, oh, he is snitchy or whatever. Because I'm not in that lifestyle to really like speak on shit like that or what comes with it and stuff of that nature. Um, on his end, he he was really just a guy trying to really like you know bring a whole lot of attention to his music. But he, he just went the wrong way with it. You know, that's that just kind of how I see it. And then you end up fucking around with like a shitty crowd. That's just how I see it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the record you're talking about is New York Giant. Yeah. So that actually record, I, I I'm not I'm not a coach, <clears throat> but that record is a six nine disc, but I didn't I didn't I didn't like push it as a six nine disc. It doesn't nowhere in the song, like in the description in the song title. I'm not saying it's a six nine disc because I'm not trying to drop music for five. That's not what I do. I spoke on that because he claims to be something that he isn't. And if you're mm. from New York, you you would take offense to that because it's like it's like being the captain of the Yankees. The captain of the Yankees before was Derek Jeter. And before that, it was another legend, another legend. So by that, I mean the king of New York before Takashi was claiming that was Jay-Z. And before that, it was Biggie Smalls. And before that, it was Big Daddy King. And before that, it was KRS-One. Like, we, we can't just play around. Before that, it was Rakim. Like we gotta pay respect to the level of of that. Like that's what we trying to you to be the king. You gotta be that. And it was pop smoke. So like you got you gotta do it with honor too. Like I feel like to run any city. You from you from uh, North Carolina, right? Yeah, Charlotte. Yeah, you from Charlotte. So the baby's the hottest dude in in, in your world right now, right? From your town. And, yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I like the baby, yeah, he gets into um back and forth with the media as far as like the LBGT, whatever that situation that happened. But he has integrity. He cares about his family, takes care of his family, takes care of people around him. He tries to put people in position to become bosses themselves. And he's his own boss. So yes. that's somebody, regardless of how he acts in certain ways that a lot of people don't like, I really don't give a shit because I'm from the hood and that's how people act and what I know. I mean, a lot of people fuck with the baby. I know a lot of people on the internet might not fuck with him, but it's like in Charlotte, he's cool. Like yeah, like that's what, I'm, real, that's what I'm saying. In real life, people, the real ones know that's the real truth right there. So in real life, I know that in New York, we're not jacking 6 9 Like right now, if I were to say who really is the king of New York at this very moment, that's something that I'm striving to be. So like 
I aspire to when I become at that level. That's what they would say about me. But I would give it to Fabio right now because oh, yeah, he's Fabio the most consistent on. New York artist and he's getting all the accolades, all the industry features and plugins and stuff like that. So he's running the show for New York at that level. Before him, it was Pop Smoke. So I feel like he was saying that because he was getting the most clout. So that's why I spoke on that because my dad actually got deported because he was doing whatever he was doing. My mom actually sat down for a long period of time and I grew up without my parents because they was in jail, you know, doing whatever they was doing. So I grew up around that kind of environment. So you can't just play around with that because I mean, like people's whole lives change off that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not just like it's not just their lives, but just like their whole community too, because they got relatives and they got people to take care of also. And that's why I try to keep my nose clean, especially and everything. You know that whole. Uh, gangster stuff, thug stuff. I don't look down or look against it or anything, or I'm not so high above it or whatever. But I just feel like a lot of that stuff is just a trap, you know. That's just kind of how I see it and it everything. Is. Because I feel like it's just like it's just something like the like the media tries to push and endorse, um, just to get like more people put in prison. You know what I'm saying? Because they feel like that's the only way you can but make think- money so many different types of ways, dude. There are people who make money off NFTs. There are people who make money out buying damn Pokemon cards. You know, like, mo- there's money out here to be gotten. Yeah, yeah. You just have to but have I, the mindset. I, I, I think that they should have creative license as far as their music goes. Like, the reason why hip-hop in itself is very, at this point, is very super gangster, very street, is because hip-hop, hip-hop started in a party culture. It started from DJing and parties off crates, and then it turned to entertainment live performances. It escalated to the streets in the 80s with NWA and things like that and what was happening in New York and the Bronx and in Brooklyn with the riots, even in Queens. So that's why it, it's always had a street element to it. That's not anything new. The difference is that in this generation, for some reason, they're rapping about actual crimes that they're committing, which doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, that that got Bobby Schmurda fucked up and everything. Yeah, that's what, that's what they're doing, though. They're rapping about things that actually happen. Like, I, I sometimes rap on in a, in a, in a trap cadence or in a, in a trap song. I do a trap song or I do a street song. And, that, and I stem from different experiences that I've had in my life or seen in my life. And I just draw a, a song out of that. But to, to rap about specific things that actually occurred that you know will get you time in jail is just ridiculous. It's like, is the clout really that worth it? It's not. It's That's really not. I, it's really Honestly, not. I, I could have been more up right now than, than I am in my current situation. I could have been more popular in my city if I did weird shit without like all these other weirdos. But that shit just not in my character. So I'm going to try to do it the, the, the right way with integrity. And I think that I can nip to hustle this shit. And by the time I get there, just because I did it this way, they'll respect it. No, for real. Like, no, nah, Nipsey also did it his own way and everything. And, and like, a lot of people are inspired, even Russ. I know it's like, Russ is another one that is, was still managed to do it and build some kind of leverage for him before he, he was able to sign Listen, some Russ is deal. nice. Yeah, I no, seriously. I just want to say that because everybody sits on him, and that, that nigga could rap. I just want to say that. 
Yeah, no, and he and he really worked hard to get here. So it's like there's really no reason anybody should shit on him. They just don't like him because he's confident in himself and everything. I, I didn't understand. When I first heard of Russ, it was years ago. I always tell this story everything. Like, it's like I heard of him just a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, he sounds pretty nice. And I started downloading some of his music off that fifth, like little songs. And it was just like, oh, wow, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, this guy's all right and everything and everything. That was back when I had, like, the Lincoln. Um, that, that shit was nice. But it's just like um, I was working um, at Live Nation. Uh, as a parking attendant, so sometimes you can be able to check in with different, like, uh, concerts that come in. Like, it's just, like, when I walked into a Russ concert, Russ concerts be packed. It yeah, be always packed. Sells it's out. crazy. And I, when I, I thought this guy was just starting. Like, maybe it was, like, one of the new artists you had to keep an eye out for. Um, This was back in, um, I think this was 2017. 2017, summer 2017. I was 19 years old. I'm like, oh my gosh, this dude Russ really ain't nothing to sleep on. And it's just like, you know, because you be having like your logics, your this and that. I thought Russ was just gonna have like a couple people there. Dude had like, you know, it was the Charlotte Credit uh, Union, um, you know, stadium. Like, dude had a whole lot of people out there, and it wasn't just like a certain demographic. It was like, yeah, white people, black people, Hispanic people. Everybody was messing with Russ. So and I'm like, when, and then when you, you yeah. Him hot because like that's why that's why uh, not not to like keep talking about this one person but that's why the Takashi thing when you're talking about that like he could look like he's the biggest artist in the city on Instagram because he got the most views and the most likes on Instagram and the most followers on Instagram but in real life are they playing the music in the club do the DJ even spin his song are people in the city even playing the song I live in the city the answer is no yeah, man, I know, no real shit, dude, it's just like, but back on Russ, man, even when you actually check out his videos and stuff of that nature, bro, like, you know, he be putting people on game, so it's like, when people hate on Russ, I just brush it off, you know, because, like, you know, it's always, like, the realest people that they be shitting on, like, from Logic, Russ, Wale. The industry wants you to sit on those people, because Russ is kind of like an independent entity, same way that Tory Lanez, who was going through his debacle right now coincidentally, um, mm-hmm. is independent. When, you, when you're an independent artist and you're actually a successful independent artist and you pack shows, like you said, you guys pack shows, that affects label heads because now you're creating a, a lane for more independent artists. You're making it popular. You're making it cool. So you become a problem. So that's why you start to see false narratives surround certain people because they don't want them to accept. Well, that's all right. That's just kind of showing you, like, that's really just another blueprint, too, because, you know, uh, like, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, so it's like a sense of, um, nobody, there's a lot of people that live in Charlotte that aren't even from Charlotte, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people from Chicago, New York especially, um, you know, they just, Florida, those are the, those are Ohio, those are the four main places where a lot of people be coming from, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, you know, it's just, you're having all types of personalities and whatnot mixed into the city. Mixed in with Southern, like, uh, hospitality. So it's just, like, people be acting like they know you when they really don't know you. So a lot of people be trying to spread out rumors, talk shit, make shit, a bunch of dumb shit up. You know what I'm saying? Just to get an ire out of you. You know what I mean? And so it's just, like, you know, you got to build thick skin. You know, like, while I'm growing up, going, while I was growing up and everything, trying, going through these motions and stuff of that nature, I just realized it's just God trying to discipline me to really, you know, prepare me for everything that's coming later on in my life. You know, that's just, you got to see it with, keep that mindset on that that whatever you're going through, whatever struggle, adversity, you know, it's just, it's just preparing you. Cause you see how they treat people like Russ, like logic, 
like uh like Wale and everything, you know, logic, no clown logic for logic for talking about like, oh, he's biracial. But who cares? And how do you how do you criticize somebody for expressing themselves? Like that was like an issue for him. Like imagine looking like you're white and everything, and then like you can't even be able to like, you know, like mesh with your own culture just because you look a certain way. You know, yeah. like it doesn't take away from him, you know, like he had a black father, he's black. That's it. That's who he identifies with, you know. He just wants to let y'all know because y'all see him as just a white boy and everything. Like that could be crushing. Like to you, like you know, to you, you're Dominican and you're Puerto Rican. You know who you are, and people look at you. They're gonna see that. Like I'm Liberian. Like I'm. I look like I'm Liberian. That's that's just what people see. You know. So it's like you know, like imagine like you look like like you are something, but you look like something entirely different. You know. And then it's like people hold that against you. Knowing how judgmental people can be, like off surface, surface level shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. The industry, like, like I was saying earlier with the wrestling, like they'll find any way to like knock you down. And even Logic, in a sense, Logic was an anomaly too because Logic wasn't supposed to pop. But when he did, he was doing big numbers early, like streaming, like, like he, nobody was streaming like Drake, but he was streaming like almost like J. Cole early on in his career. He doesn't do that nowhere near anymore because, you know, people now get the whole popular thing now with the Logic is corny. You know what I'm saying? So, Obviously, his numbers would go down, but when Logic was hot, like in like, what was it, like 2013. Like the 1 800 days and everything? Yeah, like when he first started, he was really selling 100,000 in, in his first week. Like Logic was really selling 100,000. And like, I remember that. I remember thinking, damn, Logic was really selling as much as so and so. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when you're, when you, I'm bringing that up again to say, like, when you really do it successfully and it's against, the norm and against what they already implemented to be, you've got to do it this way. If you do it another way and it works, they always try to shut you down because it needs to be their way. That's how they want it to be. Yeah, they want you to be a slave and everything. And I get that's why X, I feel like, got a whole lot of flack too, because X signed with Epic and was more like a partnership type. Do you seen the X Tentacion uh, documentary on Hulu, right? Yeah, I fucked with X. And that's what I'm trying to do too. When, when we get to that level, um, I want to do a partnership deal with my stage and brand partners with whatever, just to use the example. So it'd be like Epic slash stage and so on my records, you would see at the bottom, Epic and stage and not just Epic records, you know? Yeah, man, you always want to get your hands on as many things in regards to like what's copyright with your stuff and everything from merchandise, venues, stuff. You want to be able to get like as much, not as much profit, profit, but as be as comfortable as you can and you don't want to be like stuck with something. I feel like that's where logic is right now. Like with the whole vinyl day stuff, like they're releasing singles before you even but drop logic the album. Is smart though, because he's doing terrible with the music as far as selling, but his merchandise that he does whenever the hell he drops merch, which is quite frequently, honestly, and his tours, because that, that white boy sells out crazy. I'm going to let you know that right now. Logic. He's not white though. He's biracial. Yeah, yeah but like yeah. Just, uh, that, that was like a joke based on like his complexion. But yeah, I'm, saying, yeah, like, I'm saying that even though he goes through this this slack with the oh uh he's always talking about biracial but he looks white like that's like a very like popular comment in his comment section you know what I mean mm-hmm. so even though he goes through that flag again on the internet in real life he's selling out stadiums so he mm-hmm. could still be richer than these rappers that's um got like 30 million followers but that shit means nothing logic is making more money yeah, he has an actual following. He has a relationship with his fan base. You know, that's like Russ also. 
and everything. Russ, Wale, Excess, Tentacion, they had like a real personal relationship with their fan base. And that's what helped their fan base even grow and grow and grow and grow even more and everything because they identify with them and stuff of that to that nature with like logic and the mental health stuff. Excess and Tassian doing pretty much the same thing, but like differently in his own way. And then Russ fighting like for like people to really like wise enough about like trying to uh, get as much money as they can and go as independent as they can. You know, like these are like these are like pioneers to me to that degree because it's just like you know i don't want to have to like you know just worry about trying to get get being being enslaved by some label unfairly and everything and then trying to fight off that and then like you're in debt and stuff of that nature you know what i'm saying yeah, like, you just want, it's like That's this like, is yeah this is something that, that you love and there's something like that you love but you don't want to have a toxic relationship with your passion you know what i'm saying yeah, no, because then you're not gonna enjoy it anymore. and that's why i'm so happy with me and my team We've been able to um, make our own showcases, do our own performances, do our own videos, make our own music, and make our own clothing without the help of a machine. So by the time we do need the help from the machine, really we just need distribution help. So it has to be a partnership because that's all they can offer. You know what I mean? No, for real though. No, real, 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 real shit, man. Like, and it's just like that's good that you're trying to keep it on like that end and everything. I definitely want to start my own independent label somewhere down the line too. You know, it's like and like how J Cole's running like Dreamville Fest and everything. I feel like that's a good blueprint too in regards to how to raise your brand as a label. Yeah, I just also, do my first stay zen. I would call it. It's not the stay zen fest, but I just do my first. I've thrown different events before, but this is like my first stamp for the brand, like my first brand event. And I was the one that the Rough Riders um, came to. Um, and I do that one at the end of April. I'm going to throw the second one in the end of August, beginning of September. So we're just going to keep growing like that. And I got it. Now that I got this distribution deal that I got yesterday, I'm going to use that to kind of like build my music even more. But I still want to do the groundwork at the same time. Because if I lean on them, then they think I need them. If I need them, then it can't be a partnership because I need it no, needs, seriously. It doesn't yeah. need to be necessity. It needs to be like a, I can do this for myself and you know what my value is. So I bring value to you and in exchange, I need you to do this, this for me because I do everything else. And that way it's an exchange. Yeah, man, I feel that. I feel that very, very heavy and everything. In regards to like, you know, like where you're at right now and like where you see yourself like five years from now and I heard a whole lot of like you trying to build your brand and then you're trying to do like a whole lot of stuff like with that. But in, in regards to like where you see yourself like four or five years like from now, like, like you know, even 10 years and everything, you know, like where, where, where can you pretty much like visualize yourself like pretty much uh, until it's realized? Where do you visualize yourself until it's realized? You, you, you asked me perfectly. I have a five and I, so in five years, I see myself being a focal point in the music industry as far as like I'm one of the names that get thrown around a lot and in 10 years I see myself running my own label with my own artists underneath me and you know now I'm trying to push them to have to excel and have outstanding careers when I sit back in more of an executive role and then after that I actually want to move into direction like I want to do movies for other music I would like to move into direction 
Yeah, man, I feel you can do it. Do you have any ideas for a movie and everything that you want to go into? Or are you just trying to... Yeah, like I, have a bi- I have a biopic idea for a movie. That's, like, the first one I want to do. And um, then I have, like, a music a music one where it's, it's about, like, a dude just trying to make it in music, which is different than my actual life story because the, the biopic is going to deal more with the trials and tribulations that I went through more than, like, his music is really going to be, like, a side story. It's really about all the hardships. That's cool, man. No, that's real, real cool. Like, seriously, I feel like you can do it. I mean, if Ice Cube can freaking write Friday and everything and, like, uh, direct, like, Players Club and shit, I feel like a lot of artists, like, because, like, we are actually really good writers, too. Like, we can go into being authors and, like, yeah. you know, actors and, you and some of that nature. Yeah. If you think about it, when you when you shoot a video, at least when I do a video with a videographer, I'm, I'm always, I, I make a lot of money templates so i'm always like okay this is what we're gonna do in this and then we're gonna do this that's directly you know so just like you said like earlier when you were saying like i was getting the tools that i would use later on i feel like music and entertainment industry intertwines with a lot of things in life especially if you want to be in the movie industry following that i feel like it's a very easy transition because a lot of the things that are happening in the music industry are happening in the movie industry as far as like you got to move behind the scenes with the higher ups and people in power and shit like that. No, no, seriously, like dead ass for real, man. It's just like, <laughs> especially with the conflict that we have to go through, a lot of the traumas that we had probably went through when we was younger and everything of that nature for it to like kind of drive us to kind of like rediscover ourselves and our talents and pretty much drive us to kind of keep on improving and keep keep on improving and everything you know that will lead to like pretty much such and other things like that nature but like outside of music what what type of hobbies and interests might you have i'm not gonna lie i well i, I i'm really into sports um I, when growing up i played basketball a lot i do a lot of um sports betting I would have seen that lot, but I'm so focused on the music I don't have any other hobby well I do I'm not gonna lie I do I'm into sales like um but like at a high level like business like corporate level mm. um that's something that really interests me so like I could see myself also being like if I wasn't like a full-time rapper I could see myself being like a serious businessman in like a corporate sales type of aspect like you know suit and tie briefcase kind of thing you should definitely consider it no like seriously like you know that's why I, I went to school for business marketing and stuff of that nature so like how i said earlier i'm like um a marketing executive for like the business that i'm working with right now and i'm really trying to work to see if, like we can create create our brand I went over time. I just introduced Excel and I've also introduced um, uh, Google Forms and everything to kind of help with our like business and our clients, you know, kind of give us information on them pretty quickly. So it's just like, you know, yeah, man, like this stuff, it's really just like a matter once you once you're like an idealist, bro, you can pretty much go anywhere, bro. Whether you want to go into business or want to go into like clothing, acting, stuff of that nature. It's really just a matter of just building the discipline to learn what you need to learn to really immerse yourself in those fields um and stuff of that nature but it's like if there are some artists that you would like to work with and everything well what are some artists that you wish that you could probably work with or that's on your bucket list to work with um i would love to work with but it's like certain type of songs like i would love to work with drake on like a he would do the hook and i would do the verses and kind of like a uh, like a a play player type of like player lover boy type song 
mm. I would like to do like a lyrical song or like J. Cole where it's like you got the better verse than the song out of these two guys. Like literally just put your best pen to the paper and let's see who, who comes out on top type of song. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. You know, I know you speak a whole lot about Jay-Z and everything, but what are your thoughts on like rapper Nas? Like, you know, like that was his biggest, that was one of his biggest adversaries growing up. I think oh. Nas is amazing. The, the only reason why like I don't speak about Nas as much is because I really grew up being like a whole fanatic. Like I remember my mom would say this because um before my mom um went through her situation and she went away, um she would tell me stories like when I was really little, like I would listen to like Blueprint and I would like do like remixes of like change the words around. So Jay-Z influenced me at such a young age that like I always pick him over Nas. But I've never ever thought Nas was trash. That dude is amazing. He is literally from his era, he's probably the only most comparable Jay-Z to me. And Besides the people that died. Oh yeah, most definitely. <clears throat> no, Nas is definitely like one of the goats for real. Don Nas, like when it came to Illmatic, Illmatic st- uh, Stillmatic, it was written and uh, all that. Man, like those those albums, those projects, like those are uh, another like form of blueprint for real, man. Like yeah, I think that I think that uh, Nas, Biggie, and Jay Z. Um, I think Jay-Z has a few classics. I think Nas has two. And I think Biggie's both his albums are classic. But Ready to Die in particular is Ready to Die, if people don't even realize this, is the reason that, that Good Kid Mad City exists. Mm. Yeah, man. I thought Kendrick was more like connected like with Tupac though. Like, you know, oh, yeah, like... facts. But if you listen to Ready to Die, if mm-hmm. you, anybody listening to this, take your time to listen to Ready to Die, because I grew up on Ready to Die and I used to play it a lot when I was um, doing whatever I was doing. And fucking, you listen to the storytelling where it uses skits to, to basically flow through the album. The same with Good Kid, Mad City uses the skits kind of as a theme to the album. Biggie Smalls was one of the first people in hip hop to execute that on a whole album level, not just in one song. But Ready to Die has the same storyline going throughout the whole album from beginning to end. Just like Good Kid Mad City. So that's why I say like Good Kid Mad City wouldn't exist if Ready to Die didn't exist because it's heavily influenced as far as the skits and the way that it the plot, the, the theme of it. You know? Yeah, man, those skits, like it can really it really helps. It's another element of an album that can really, really help you like uh kind of immerse yourself into like the vibe of that very album, you know. And it's just yeah, like, you know, like cinematography because it's like, yo, I could really visualize what they're saying because it, it gives you an intermission to really like have a little movie playing in your head. Like, oh, shit, they're, they're, they're talking. Like, I know one of the skits, it was like in the car about to like uh, hit, hit a lift. So they, they all just chit chatting in the car. And I need you to visualize that moment. So now when you're listening to the album and all those rugged gangster moments come up, it just resonates even more. Yeah, no, seriously, seriously, and it's just like, you know, like, the art, like, and it's, it's just like, well, Reasonable Doubt, Ready to Die, um, Illmatic, um, what was Big L's one was uh, the Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous, correct? Yeah, yeah and it's just L, like... Big L's that dude, man. Big L to me, if he didn't die, I, I, I don't think he would, I think Jay-Z, regardless of who lived or who died, he would be the best rapper of all time, 
And I think Biggie would be like right behind him. But Big L to me is the best lyricist that ever lived. I don't think anybody ever had this like the line that we were talking about. Um, uh, I keep this like in and butt head. Um, yeah. One time my parents have met yet. Like shit like that. I don't think anybody was as slick with it as him. No, seriously, they're definitely some. They're, he's definitely like somebody like to study for if you want to really get more clever or creative in terms of how you set your uh, uh, your lines and stuff of that nature. You know, it's just like it's just like something about Big L. It just sucks. That's what sucks. That's like like the tragic part about hip hop, man. It's just like really, I we could all grow old and be happy, bro. Like Jay, like Fifty Cent and Ja Rule have been beefing forever, but they're still alive. <laughs> like yeah. you know, it's just and, like it's just like, and it's just mostly on some like teasing type, middle school type, social media type beef and everything. And it's just like you know, although like there was some seriousness about it, but they can all grow old. Like you know, it's just like there should be no reason why Tupac is dead and everything and like uh, biggie smalls uh, didn't get to see his kids grow just over like some uh, media bullshit that's why i feel like it's more media type shit than i feel like it's real life stuff you know what i'm saying it's yeah, just that's, instigating that's every form of entertainment even like basketball anytime you see like kobe and shaq for example that was all media driven you know what i'm saying so like the thing the thing about being successful or famous or well known or having a lot of fun is that people are just gonna hate on you because it's a popular thing to do. Because people don't like people who do things that to them seem not realistic, like how you're supposed to. Like impossible, like they're incapable yeah. of doing. Like they're incap- they're literally incapable of doing it, and because you are capable, it automatically makes them not like you. No, seriously, no dead ass. Like that side of feminist shit we were speaking earlier, man. Like niggas be acting like bitches for no reason, bro. And it's really sad how, like, the world is, like, you know, set up and everything, you know, it's just, like, really, it's just, like, in this life, you only got one life to live, so if you want to go out there and do what you want to do to be happy, do it, that's just, that's just, that's my philosophy when it comes to a lot of this shit, like, time, life is too short, and you only get one, so you might as well make it count, like, make it, make it one for the books, you know, I'm 24, I'm on the verge where I'm out living, like, I'm about to outlive a lot of like the my idols growing up from Tupac to Big and they did so much, you know, up to the point where they passed. Like we still talking about them to this day. It is 2022. They didn't even touch the 2000s. Like, yeah, and that's and that's we, the thing. Like, even though they died young, they actually, if you look at what Biggie did in in his time, he had two albums. I think Tupac had like four albums in that time and a couple of movies. No, so, Tupac like, had a lot more albums. Like I think it was like seven, maybe over that. I don't even know. It, it was a lot. And that was that was in a short amount of time. And he had a few movies out too. So, like the way that they attacked their crafts and the way that they put their all into this shit is the reason why we're talking twenty, thirty years later. Because there's artists out now that's been out for years that still hasn't even had the same catalog as Tupac or Tupac as far as not even quality wise, but just amount of content. You know what I mean? These guys really were everywhere. I'm I'm a New York guy, so I know that Biggie Smalls, not only was he dropping those albums, but he was on a feature run something crazy. He was on every song that was hot in New York. Like if he was in New York and he was hot, he was on your song. No, seriously, he had good marketing, man, for real. Like he knew how to market himself. But I feel like with Tupac and Big, they just represent like two reflections of the black spirit that that people just weren't ready to like, the media, like, the world just wasn't ready to, like, have exist, like, two, like, Biggie Smalls, like, dark, 
heavier set, but he dressed well and he got many, many women and everything, just being confident in himself. And there was like he represented true confidence, which is something that black men just they didn't want us to see for too long, you know what I'm saying? And Tupac represented like you can be rugged, but you can be educated, you can be like self-aware to a certain degree. But it was like then they got all caught up with the, a lot of this uh this earthly nonsense and sadly it took them away. Um, you know, and yeah, that's, that's the tragedy of it. The sad thing about hip-hop, but it's also the beautiful thing about hip-hop, is that it comes from inner cities for the most part. Um, the trenches, or it comes from poverty. It comes from pain and poverty, right? So because it comes from that, even when these guys become successful and they become rich, a lot of the time, that mentality of I'm from the hood, or I, gotta, I can't let nobody bitch me, or I can't let nobody son me, or I got to always be the bigger man, nobody can ever try to play with me. Like, it don't matter how rich and famous you get, if you think like that, you'll always think like that. And that's another thing that escalated that beef is that as two grown men, we're over a misunderstanding, really. All, all you need to do is have a real conversation because neither of them were, were wanting to sit down and talk. So that turned into this uh, he said, she said type thing from West Coast to East Coast. So that's already too far the distance. So now you're hearing. Shit come out the media on this side. Could be fabricated, could be the truth, who knows? But it sounds like shit talking. And you're hearing the same on this side. So now there's no communication in between that. It just sounds like now niggas is beef. Who said that? The media. Yeah, man. No, like seriously, man. It's very, very tragic. But um, we're getting close to like the end of this episode. We got like about one minute left. So it's like, you know, I'm gonna just by the closing and everything uh, with the, the Mental Thirst podcast. Thank you, Don Julio, for hopping on. This is a damn good episode for real, man. Um, but that's it for the 76th episode. Uh, do you got anything else you got to say under a minute? Yeah, I got you. Um, I just want to say I got a tape coming out July 10th on all streaming platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, all of that. It's called The Don Tape by Don Julio. Um, you should look it up. It's 12 for 12, no misses. Um, stay zen, tap in with my brand, follow me on the brand, Don Julio SZ, and I appreciate you for having me. All right, thank you, man. I appreciate you, too, for hopping on. All right, that's it for the Mental Threads Podcast. We're signing. <laughs> Sorry, man. We're sewing in. Now we're sewing out. That is it. All right, uh, thanks, Chief. I appreciate it. All right, take care. No good night, all right? Yeah, all right. good night. Take care. All right.